Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Wednesday, January 5th. We begin with another edition of Ask the Doctor with Dr. Craig Janney, infectious disease specialist from the University of Calgary. As always, Dr. Janney answers COVID-19 questions as sent in by you, the listeners. Next, we take a look at the impact that bitterly cold temperatures are having on the city, specifically when it comes to the stress the increased electricity consumption is having on the provincial power grid. We speak with Global Calgary reporter Sarah Offen. This cold and icy weather can also make a dangerous dangerous for commuters. How prepared are you in the event that your car breaks down during this chilly spell? Mornings with Sue and Andy producer Reese Schaefer offers up some winter weather essentials you'll want to have in the trunk to be sure you and your family remain safe on the road. And finally, can we train our brains for success? We speak with a health neuroscientist who explains the importance of mind over matter when it comes to achieving the goals you've set with your New Year's resolution. We are joined once again this morning by Dr. Craig Janney, Associate Professor, Department of Microbiology, Immunology and Infectious Diseases at the University of Calgary. Lots of questions and certainly mostly obviously about this Omicron variant and what we can expect from COVID in 2022. We say good morning to you, Dr. Janney. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year to you as well. Let's begin with booster shots. Lots of questions surrounding the boosters. This one in particular, if you've had one AZ and two Pfizer's, are you considered boosted so you would you would be considered fully immunized i think the the question there and the key there is how long has it been since you've had that that third shot so we're if we're still looking six months out the recommendations are still to consult and and and, uh, determine with your doctor if a booster is required for that so the boosters are less about how many doses you're getting how many shots you're getting and more that we see the immunity fading after about six months okay so it, it, it has a little bit more to do with the time rather than the combination of shots you had at the beginning. So you could still have the three shots. You can still take the booster if you're that time length away. Exactly, okay. especially if you're in some of these risk groups. And keep in mind, some Albertans have been vaccinated now for over a year. We, we did start vaccinating last December so or December uh, in 2020. So you know, there are people out there that are now well over a year from their first shot, so so will be well past that for their their second and potentially even third shots if they were mixing at the beginning. Next question up here, Dr. Janney. I'm most concerned about the lifting of testing and allowing workers to work well, positive or asymptomatic. Is this just to help the healthcare system, or does it make sense to you? is really to help a number of different sectors, including the healthcare system, but also, for example, school teachers and other sectors where they, they simply cannot manage by having people 10 days off. The, the encouraging data with Omicron is that it is less infectious after five days, so that's good news. It seems to, to hit harder and clear faster from some people, um, but that's also the, the, the recommendation when no other option is available, and they're still encouraged. If you can, take the those extra days and remain isolated. So the other caveat to that is it was not a green light that after five days, regardless, you're free to to go back to work. This is only for fully vaccinated 
people who are symptom-free, that have tested, and, and also are wearing a mask at all times, not just indoors. Anytime they're, they're out of their house and are near other people. So there are a lot of caveats to that, uh, that, that shorter isolation period. Okay, thank you for those reminders. Okay, this texter saying, I'm going to Mexico January 20th. I want to start taking zinc to help with immunity. Is it a good idea? Does it help? Other supplements, are they going to stop this person from getting COVID? Probably not. The, the key with these supplements is they're great if you're deficient in something, but we've not seen any evidence that, that loading up on zinc or, or, or loading up on vitamin D are protective. If you're deficient in vitamin D, and a lot of people in Canada are, you know, we're not running around outside in, in short sleeves and, and shorts right now and getting a lot of sun, um, you know, we, we should be looking at ensuring we have the right levels, but simply loading up on vitamin D is not going to be protective against the virus. All right, next question, Dr. Janney. Uh, everybody in the house is vaccinated and double vaccinated. But being off school, my teen has been asking to have a sleepover with a couple of friends. Does this still fall under risky behavior, in your opinion? So it will be more risky than not having it, and, and really that relates down to what those other cohorts are doing. So if, if your teen's friends are also keeping a fairly tight family cohort and are not out in the restaurants or, or out in the mall every day, then, then that risk goes down. But having somebody in the house, if the other teen, teen for example, is not vaccinated or the whole household is not vaccinated, uh, does you know raise that risk. Uh, and likewise, if the, the other family is not maintaining a tight cohort, then essentially you could be exposed to all of their contacts via the, the, that teen sleeping over. So, you know, it's frustrating, but right now there is so much virus in the community that as we expand these cohorts, that's where the risk goes up. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, question here. This person saying, I have had several symptoms of COVID, sore throat, et cetera, one day, and then gone the next. Could it be COVID? I've had three shots. So it could be, and I think that that's part of the key is the three shots is what's going to ensure that if you get COVID, that the symptoms are minimal to begin with. We're also hearing from people who do get these breakthrough infections uh, that the, the symptoms do remain extremely mild for, for many people, not everybody. We do have some hospitalized vaccinated people, but for the average uh, Canadian, it seems as though if you're fully vaccinated, those breakthrough symptoms are pretty mild. Uh, again, we can look at a rapid test for that, but we, we have been seeing emerging data that these rapid tests are getting less and less uh, accurate. And that's largely to do with how many we're using and, and who's doing them. Uh, when they're done at home, perhaps a little less reliable than if a public health care official does them for you. Um, but still, it's an important tool we have here in Alberta to, to consider using. Dr. Janney, we have to take a quick break for traffic. Can you hang on and uh, spend two more minutes with us? Of course. Good stuff. More with Dr. Craig Janney. Infectious Disease Specialist from the University of Calgary coming up in two. And more with Dr. Craig Janney, Infectious Disease Specialist from the University of Calgary. Your COVID-19, your Omicron questions. Dr. Janney, they're not all pretty. Here we go. Um, can you get diarrhea or any bowel changes with the Omicron variant? So I've not seen direct uh linkage to watch out for that as a symptom. We did hear early on that, that in some individuals, coronavirus can affect the GI tract. So, uh, you know, it, it's not impossible, but uh, we've not seen sort of wide discussion that that's one of the key symptoms of this variant. So unfortunately, you know, it, it is wishy-washy that, that these viruses do seem to affect people quite differently. Uh, we had seen reports of sore backs as well with Omicron, which is not in everybody. So th- there's no one giveaway symptom 
that that's Omicron versus, you know, a cold or a flu mm-hmm. or another version of the coronavirus, uh, which makes life a little difficult for diagnosis. Yeah, take the test. And we're hearing, by the way, a texter just let us know test kits have arrived in some pharmacies as of this morning. There we so go. Absolutely. that's good news. Uh, Dr. Janney, we've got a texter who is adamant about knowing if people in hospital have Delta or Omicron. So do we know? Does it matter at this point? Is that information available? Yeah, unfortunately, we don't know, or, or at least the, the public doesn't have access to the, that information, and that's the only information I, I get access to as well as the public. I would assume that that is being tested by Alberta Health and that they would have access to those numbers. It is a great question, and it is an important question, because although Omicron is now the dominant strain in Alberta by far, Delta's not gone. Uh, and although we're always talking about the spread of Omicron, if Delta is still spreading in the background, and that is what's driving the rise in hospital hospitalizations, for example, in other provinces, then that's further good news about Omicron. If, however, Delta is not putting people in the hospital at the rate it was before and all these new hospitalizations are Omicron, that's where the concern comes up about this particular variant. So they're absolutely right. That kind of data, that kind of detail is critical to understanding exactly what this wave is doing uh, in the province of Alberta. It is critical, but is it just the case that we have so many cases right now that it's impossible to mine that data? right now that there are unfortunately bigger priorities with regards to testing and that is identifying if there are cases in long-term care facilities identifying cases within the healthcare settings as opposed to to really doing the statistics on which one is in which unit and, and I, I know that data will be out there but right now i do believe that when we're looking in the area of, of six seven eight thousand people a day yeah. uh you know the the, the testing they're doing, uh, even if that is only uh, a smaller percentage of that, is a full-time job to stay on top of getting those results out as quickly as possible. Dr. Janney, uh, this person asking, what level of immunity is added from actually having had Omicron? I mean, we've got so many people sick right now. Is this a good thing in terms of that herd immunity we often hear about? Yeah, it can be, and that that will boil down to the individual. So people that, for example, are, have very mild infection with it, it can be an important booster, especially if it's added on to the vaccines. Um, the, the risk is, you know, again, if we look across the province, we have you know four hundred thousand or more that are not vaccinated at all. Uh, we also see that this natural immunity seems to be pretty variant specific. So people that were infected with the UK variant last year are absolutely getting reinfected with Omicron now. So the, the, those variants, uh, natural immunity is pretty specific. Although it's good, it doesn't necessarily bode well for broad protection against new variants in the future. So, uh, you know, th- this can help, but it is not a replacement we're getting vaccinated and right now the evidence is suggesting to get boosted as well just before we let you go on the topic of variants a texter says ask the doctor what he knows about this brand new variant from france uh, you yeah. know this is new to me what, what can you tell us about it so it, it's yet another variant it, it looks as though it, it might be having breakthrough infections again the good news at least the last data i saw was that this was identified in a traveler uh, they were able to identify the close contacts and, and I had not seen evidence yet that it has broken into community-level transmission. Um, I, I think really the, what needs to be put in perspective is these are incident, incidences that probably happen on a daily or weekly basis, and we simply don't hear about them. The virus is continually generating new variants, and it's only when 
we happen to stumble on them with the right tests that we identify them. Otherwise, the virus looks the same for everybody. You simply test positive. And these were individuals who had their, their virus sequenced, and it turns out it was yet a different version of the virus mm-hmm. again. So, you know, th- this is what's going to happen, and it's uh, absolutely going to happen with Omicron. With the, the sheer number of cases around the world, new variants will spin out of this, and the hope is that none of them uh, are, are more difficult to manage or cause more severe disease. As long as we don't get one of those, we'll be able to continue moving forward with, with, with our current strategies. So many excellent questions. Thank you for answering them all once again. Appreciate your time this morning. Have a great You're day. You're welcome both. Take care. Thank you. Dr. Craig Janney, Associate Professor, Department of Microbiology, Immunology, and Infectious Diseases at the U of C. Alberta in the grips of a bitterly cold snap, and this is putting a lot of pressure on Calgary's power grid. So with a look at how prepared we are for this added strain, we're joined this morning with some details from Global News reporter Sarah Offen. Hi, Sarah. Good morning, Sue. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. Uh, Apparently 11,939 megawatts of energy used yesterday, all-time electricity usage record. How prepared is the city for a strain like this on the grid? Well, I mean, this is something that we've run into before, but uh, these are record highs that we're seeing. I think, uh, you know, one thing that they say that's actually quite interesting is they often see these bumps when there's um, good economic activity uh, that's going on. I don't know if that's the case. Certainly the cold is a factor, and uh, a lot more people are at home, either because their kids are not in school, they're working from home, that sort of thing. So there's a lot of demands on the system right now. There's also, of course, the fact that people still have Christmas lights and that sort of thing that are plugged in. So that's all creating more demand on the system right now. The demand is one thing, but what about if we hit the maximum capacity? What plans are in place? What can Calgarians or Albertans, for that matter, expect, Sarah? So what happens if uh, if that is the case is they go ahead and do rolling blackouts. So how that would look is um, in various communities you would see blackouts uh, lasting around 15 to 30 minutes um, and then the power going back on. So that's essentially how they keep things continuing to run, but uh, it would mean temporary outages in some communities. Which communities they pick and how they pick, I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> that would be interesting to, to actually see how they go ahead and do that, mm-hmm. but that is what they would do if um, if we do continue to, to strain the system or overload the system. Is that even something that they're discussing, Sarah? Are they warning people that could happen? Because, I mean, even you know, 15 minutes to half an hour without heat your house in this cold that can change things dramatically in there yeah fair to say well you know at this point they are expecting to see additional um peaks additional record highs uh, throughout the week they do think that they are prepared to handle it at this point but uh, certainly it's something they're not writing off as a possibility they say usually when a cold snap happens they start to see um that that demand just continue to build throughout the week. So again, we saw that peak high on Monday. We're expecting it to continue to develop over the week and and likely to see new record highs throughout the week as we wait for this cold snap to hopefully pass. We want to do what we can to keep warm, keep our, uh, you know, family and pets warm. Although there's there's kind of like a a happy hour, if you will, where consumption is the highest. What uh, areas within the clock are people, uh, is the city saying we should avoid using maximum electricity in our homes? 
Yeah, so four, between 4 and 8 p.m. are the peak hours. That's when they're asking people to hold off on running major appliances, uh, wait to run your dishwasher. If you've got an electric vehicle, wait to plug that in. Maybe even, I know it's difficult, but consider unplugging the Christmas lights. The, the cold really uh, does have a, a way of taking the jolly out of the season, but, um, but certainly we want to try and keep the system going uh, and allow it to keep up as best it can this time of year. And there's been some fallout, Sarah, hasn't there? I mean, I know you're at Winsport this morning, are you not? And that's closed because of issues we're having? Yeah, I mean that's not related to to energy, but it's just related cold. to the okay. cold for sure. So they are are they are cold. They they are closed today. They were closed yesterday, and that's going to continue until what they hope is a possible reopening on Friday. And this is actually the fourth time in the year that they've done this so far. So it's difficult for them just because it's happening at this time of the year when when kids, as it as it turns out, are are not in school right now. They would otherwise be seeing likely some more traffic here, um, and it's just following the holiday season. So usually a very busy time of the year for them anyway. They're missing out on that traffic. And uh, again, this is um, usually, uh, usually they see about seven to 10 times in the year where they have to close because of this extreme weather. So already they're seeing a number of times this has happened. It's, mm. it's, uh, it's been a difficult year for them so far, a difficult season. Winsport hit, and like you say, the kids bouncing off the walls, and it would be nice for them to have the business. Any other areas of the city impacted that you're aware of, Sarah, as far as closures and what people might want to be in the know about? Oh, you know, I don't. it's been a week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it has. You're right. My nose is certainly looking a little <laughs> pink out here. But, um, yeah, it, I mean, there, there are effects around this city, and certainly we're seeing that on our roadways is, is one of the other mm-hmm. big impacts. So we're all waiting for that, uh, that melting to come for Calgary. I, I hope that you're inside right now because it is just bitterly cold out there with that wind chill. in my vehicle. Okay, good, good. Well, thank you so much for joining us with an update. Appreciate it. Stay warm out thank there. You. Thank you. That is Global News reporter Sarah Offen, and it is so cold this morning. Again, Andy, and yeah. we're not supposed to see any relief until the weekend, right? Yeah, it looks like the real relief. They turn the corner on uh, Saturday, but it really does take until Sunday to find temperatures well, Sunday's high minus five, still cooler than the average of minus three degrees. But the teen temperatures as we move into Friday and Saturday below minus 17 to minus 18 degrees, that's where we start. But really, you think, well, today, tomorrow, and tomorrow even with minus 21, five degrees warmer than today, that wind chill right now is minus 35 degrees. Ooh. My wife, uh, you know, uh, because of the way that the holidays have landed, had a Monday off, and we thought, well, we'll go for lunch. So we went to a restaurant on McLeod Trail, drove up there, and it was like 1 in the afternoon. Of course, they're open. No, 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 no. They had some electrical issues. Oh, like really? uh, I think some kitchen issues. Maybe it was a burst pipe. But nevertheless, uh, as I asked Sarah if there's anything else in the city besides Winsport that's shut down, a lot of businesses, and I've heard of buildings with water mains having, uh, you know, uh, sorry, breaks in the, in the water lines. Mm-hmm. So, you know, double check wherever you're going because that cold takes the toll, and not just uh, on our ourselves and the equipment, but also pets. You have to underscore how important it is oh, to keep those pets warm. Yeah, if we can't go outside then and stay outside, then our pets certainly can't. I feel for all the folks who have to work outside in this weather. Oh, and, yeah. And there are certainly people back to work this week that'll have to be spending time. So you have to be super careful on how you manage that time that you're out in, in these, these bitterly, bitterly cold temperatures. And I think a lot of office places and workspaces hopefully provide warming centers yeah. for their employees, that sort of thing for folks who have to be outside. And I would think that four uh, till eight o'clock, as Sarah mentioned, with those the power hour where we use the most electricity in our city, I would hope that that isn't impacted as much right now because I, I, I get the picture during normal times 
where the kids come home from school, and that's when the TV and the electronics go on, and mom and dad are getting home and putting with people home more. I would think that we're, yeah. we're probably ahead running of the, game. the dishwasher, yeah. et cetera. And as you said, I think a lot of people um, have left their Christmas lights on yeah. longer than I mean, usually. Everybody it. kind of turns them off at Christmas, but I have seen so many in my community. People are leaving them on. They're pretty. It's cold. We're all home. It's been kind of a crappy uh, couple of years. So it, I think it brings pleasure to people, but it also brings a strain on the system. There's that. And look at the hours. You're turning them on. We get dark just after 4 yeah. o'clock, turning them on. Hey, uh, coming up uh, just in, in a couple seconds' time, your car. You have everything you need um, until you realize you need Don't. more in your car because it doesn't work in the cold. Mm-hmm. Our producer, Reese Schaefer, in with some tips on those essentials because it, we don't want it to happen, but you know what? Unfortunately, it does in our city. So we'll talk cars and how to make sure that you're, you're ready if you're heading out on the road in this cold weather. It's what everybody's talking about right now because, yes, Alberta is in the grips of another bitterly cold snap. So important things to think about, and one of them is before you hit the road, making sure that you are prepared for what could be the worst. So this morning we're talking about what you should have in your vehicle in case of an emergency when you're out driving. Uh, joining us, Mornings with Sue and Andy producer, Reese Schaefer. Hi, Reese. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Good morning. Okay, so preparing for winter driving conditions. You know, I think this is just something we as Canadians should think about all the time, but it's even more so important with these temperatures we're experiencing. Yeah, absolutely. Having all the stuff in your vehicle for any situation. Like if you look at Virginia where they ever got caught in all that traffic. We were just talking about that. Stuck in their vehicles. 24 hours. Do you have granola bars? What do you have in there? Do you have any water? Do you have anything? It's hard to keep handle. Yeah. It's hard to keep water in the car right now with these extreme temperatures. Always bring it with you when you get in. My tips for getting prepared for winter, I have two big Tupperwares, one for summer, one for winter. I swap them out in the fall. You just throw uh, them in the trunk? Yeah, just throw them right in the trunk. Have all my gear for winter. So some of the essentials you need in there, a candle like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Also a small tin can to put that candle in and a barbecue lighter. And that'll act as a little candle heater. Uh, the tin can Ooh. will heat up oh, and it'll okay. warm up. Because you can't just leave your car running the whole time. If you're in the ditch, you'll run mm-hmm. out of gas. Your exhaust can be blocked. You could end up getting carbon monoxide poisoning. So you need to be very cautious about that kind of thing. Along with your candle, you need a flashlight that you can put in your pocket. Um, A foldable shovel is always really useful, as well as some caution triangles to warn other drivers that you're having some difficulties. Um, You also want to have... um, a battery pack for your phone so you can recharge your phone when you're stranded and right. you can't charge it again. You want a pen and a pad so that you can write down any details. If your phone is dead and you can't write anything down, if you got hit or in an accident, you need to exchange information. Lots of stuff you need, like a small portable air compressor if you have to deal with your tires because that's something you need to watch out for. Tire pressure can drop in these extreme cold temperatures. Along with that, you need your jumper cables. An extension cord is always super useful, as well as a first aid kit, obviously, is something you definitely yeah. need in your vehicle, along with a small toolkit with a staple duct tape. Always need some duct tape. Yeah, that's, you know, it's funny. You know, I know it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, but you can do a lot with that duct you tape. You really can. Yeah. And, and, you know, maybe many of us, Reese, have these kits, but we top them up in 2016, and there's some perishables, be it granola bars, yeah. or even batteries, things that we should be updating, right? Yeah, definitely. You want to make sure that everything in your kit is still going to be useful in that emergency situation. So making sure that you recharge that battery pack and you have the batteries that you need for your flashlight, along with those kind of things. Also, a little bag of cat litter or absorbent material. So if you lose traction, you can put it on your wheel, try to get a little bit more traction. Which also your uh, car, your mats, your floor yeah. mats, those work well for that in 
a pinch too. That's right. Yeah, I've seen that done as well. Um, also, toque, gloves, yeah. mitts, yeah. scarves, enough for everyone in the vehicle, not just for the driver, enough for everyone that's going to be traveling with you. And socks too. Have some extra socks Ooh, in there. Point. Are super handy. I just picked some up. They're on sale at Mark's. Threw them in the in the Jeep and now ready to go. Need an extra jacket, some snow pants. Just make sure you're We're, warm. This is Canada, people. Yeah, you Load need to be ready. Trunk. If you're not already wearing, if you're driving in your sneakers, bring your winter boots. Just throw them in the back and yeah, then you'll yeah. be good to go. And blankets. Throw some blankets in yeah, as well as some point. of those really small emergency blankets, the silver ones so you yeah. can Fold up and get them at Canadian Tire. You can also buy little emergency kits that have a lot of this stuff in it Mm -hmm. at Canadian Tire and those kind of stores to get you ready for this extreme cold. You know what else is great too? Those little, the hand warmers, you know, those little packets. I keep them in my car because I actually give them to homeless people when I see, I don't give them money because I normally don't have, but I'll give those. But they're a great in a pinch too. The kids are cold in the back seat or something happens. You've got those for your feet, for your hands. Exactly. And if you don't have seat warmers, you can just sit on them. Yes, it's true. They actually are great. Don't take any room. (laughs) This isn't going to sound too uh, glamorous, but I've seen this before where you give something like one of these kits as a gift because you care about somebody. Mm And we don't think about it until we need it, and mm-hmm. then it's too late. So maybe not a bad idea as a gift. Yeah, buy for a gift, buy for yourself as well when you're giving it away to someone. Make sure that you have everything you need. And one other tip for your vehicle to make sure that you're prepared is keep a full tank of gas. Mm-hmm. Not only do you need it if you get stranded, the weight of the tank of gas will help you get more traction on the road. All great reminders. I think sometimes we forget, oh, I'm just driving to work, or I don't have a long yeah, way to go, a no big deal. Well, it can be a big deal. It can turn pretty quickly. Yeah. And don't wander. Stay with your vehicle. I just saw a texture that just came in right now. Don't try to start wandering off, walking off for help. That's yep. a dangerous route to go on. Stay with your vehicle. Stay visible. We just Excellent. got that exact text, so that's uh, that's huge. Absolutely. And uh, we appreciate it. Very timely. And uh, you know what? Uh, do, it, do it while you still can and not when you're on the side of the road. So uh, we appreciate it, Reese. Thanks so much. No problem. Morning, uh, mornings with Sue and Andy producer, Reese Schaefer. If you want to lose weight or eat healthier in 2022, you might want to start with training your brain for success. This morning, we are joined by Dr. Cassandra Lowe, health neuroscientist at BrainScan Fellow at Western University, and BrainScan Fellow, rather, at Western University. Good morning to you, Cassandra. Morning. Dr. Lowe, let's get to the heart of the matter here. Why do we fail? I think every year we want to do the right thing. We want to improve ourselves in some way, uh, but we set those New Year's, New Year's resolutions on the 31st, and by, well, maybe by January 5th, they're mm-hmm. gone. Why is it that we fail? Well, one of the main reasons is a lot of people try to do too much at once. So the most popular New Year's New Year's resolutions are to lose weight, eat healthier, and exercise more. And to do these, people will be like, okay, I have to overhaul my entire diet and exercise for an hour a day. And then you end up burning out really quickly or you're doing exercises that you don't actually enjoy because you just think you need to burn the calories. And it just leads to failure over time. So is it best then, doctor, that we just kind of pick one of those three things, just focus on one thing and try to work that into our routine till it becomes, you know, something that we do on the regular? Yes. The best way to achieve your goals is first to break them down into tangible actions. So if you want to exercise more or become more fit or healthy, you'd break it down to, okay, how, what does exercise more mean to me? What am I currently doing? Am I doing nothing? Am I doing a little bit? How do I build on that? And it's setting realistic goals that you can build off of. So starting with 
going for a walk 30 minutes three times a day. And then once that becomes habit, adding in something else. And the same with eating. It could be as simple as, okay, I'm going to cut sugar out of my coffee for the next two weeks. And then once you develop kind of the taste for coffee without sugar, you can focus on maybe reducing how much juice you're drinking or adding more fruits and vegetables to your diet. Junk food. So like we might have our favorite foods that are off the healthy train, so to speak. Are you saying that, you know, we can make these other tweaks, but still enjoy some of the foods, you know, for example, those junk foods, that bag of chips and still see results? Yes. The key is to reduce how much you're eating, but you still want to enjoy your life. We can't ignore that these junk foods are delicious, but they're also part of social aspects. So if you're going to a birthday party, enjoy the piece of cake, but try to cut back um, throughout the week. So don't have a bag of chips every night, but do reserve it for times when you want to and enjoy eating it while you're eating it. Is there more to it when it comes to the junk food doctor in terms of, uh, we know obviously it's not good for us physically, but is it bad for our mental health or is, is that just us beating ourselves up because we know we shouldn't eat it, but we do because we want it and we love it? Yes. So I think it's a combination of both. So the foods that are high in added sugars and added fats, when we eat too much of them over a period of time, it can impact how our brain functions, which can lead to poor mental health. But we also live in a society where we are very stigmatizing against people who are living in larger bodies. And that also contributes to kind of this feelings of failures, like, mm-hmm. oh, I should be able to eat healthy, which can contribute to mental health issues. But in reality, these foods are delicious and we love them. And a lot of people struggle with reducing how much of these junk foods we're eating, even if they're not living in a larger body. Let's talk about a term that I've heard quite often, uh, you know, emotional eating, for example. And, you know, you hear people say, I've had a hard day. I deserve, I don't mean to beat up on chips. I deserve this bag of chips or I deserve this chocolate cake to myself. Is that really something that, you know, our eating can be, you know, gu- you know, guided by our emotions? Oh, absolutely. So these foods that are high in sugar and added fat, so your typical junk foods, will actually activate the reward regions of the brain when we see them or when we're eating them. So you get this reward sensation from them. So if you're feeling emotionally drained or stressed, Eating these foods give you that feeling of kind of like joy and reward. And that's what contributes to a lot of people emotionally eating. Dr. Lowe, can we retrain our brains then to try and curb those cravings for the chips or the chocolate cake? I feel like Andy was judging me when he looked at me about (laughs) eating a whole chocolate cake. (laughs) Yes. And one of the best ways to do it is through exercise. So if you're able to start and maintain a regular exercise program, it can help boost your cognitive functions and Um, the areas of the brain that are responsible for helping us reduce food cravings and reduce how rewarding we see these foods, as well as letting us kind of make these healthier decisions, like choosing to have a salad with our hamburger instead of fries in a hamburger or reducing how much sugar-sweetened drinks we're eating. And you don't need a lot of exercise to get the effects. You can get these effects with as little as 20 minutes of brisk walking so you don't have to go out and run a marathon to see this impact. <laughs> Dr. Lowe, one of the things you mentioned off the beginning of the segment was the fact that we maybe bite off more than we can chew. Too ambitious. We want to go on that treadmill for an hour a day and <laughs> just eat salad for, for two weeks. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, that, that that can't last. So I'm wondering, you know, what is a more agreeable or achievable timeline that we should give ourselves, for example, to get in shape or change these habits? 
for everyone, it's going to be different, but the best thing you can do is find an exercise that you enjoy doing. Because if you don't enjoy running, you're not going to keep it up. But if you really love Zumba classes and dancing or yoga, then that's what you need to do. You need to find that exercise that you like to do and you're able to do on a consistent basis. So for me, it's yoga strength training and swimming are my go-to exercises, whereas my husband's an avid rock climber and that's his go-to thing. And because we really enjoy these activities, we're able to maintain them over time. Well, super timely discussion. We'll be chatting more about it with our listeners throughout the morning, no doubt. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Appreciate it. Happy New Year. Thanks, and thanks for having me. Thank you. Dr. Cassandra Lowe is a health neuroscientist and brain scan fellow at Western University. I think New Year's is a good time to you know, just sort of kickstart things. Yeah. But I think that's the problem, right? We just, it's, it becomes this thing where we, as of January 1st, you must do everything. And it's just impossible to achieve that and to follow through. I think, you know, I, I look at you, I, I, I do really find you inspirational, to be quite honest, Andy. You, you jumped on the fitness train last year, a year ago, when mm-hmm. we did the Jenny Craig yeah. thing starting off in the new year, and you have stuck with it. I'm really impressed. Well, what I'm, uh, you know, it is not to, to toot my own horn. What I've done right this time for myself is I'm still not exactly at my goal. I've got about another five to seven pounds kind of a thing, and that's a year. So, I mean, for me, it wasn't like... You know, we started in January. In, in two, three months, I'm going to hit my... Mm-hmm. And it's been long. But you think about when you when you put on some pounds, it doesn't happen in a month or two or yeah. maybe three. It takes so long. Yeah. So I, I think we've got this mentality that it should be able to shed it. I, well, that would so, be nice. But that pill doesn't exist no. yet, right? And but, so that's where I'm at is like it takes... it. it now I'm realizing that it does take time. And it, that's what I mean. You know? Like you, you go to... You see Sandra one-on-one personal fitness once a week. Yeah. And then you do your other things. Side, I, don't, yeah. I don't know how many times a week you do it in total. But it has taken you some time to get here. It's taken a lot, it takes a long time. But you've time. stuck with it. And, yeah. and th- that's a good thing. It's become part of your everyday life and routine now. And I think it'll probably stick with you until, you know, the day you go. Just don't mention my name like I'm, Betty White. But yeah, I, I think that there's a lot of people to. out there. And I would I would say to them the same thing in, yeah. in the sense that we, we have these timelines that we create. The same way that January 1st is created mm-hmm. by man, we have a calendar. Yep. Why do we have to have an exact Go easy, schedule? go slow, be easy on yourself. And what it, we talked to an expert last week that said, you know, 70 to 80% of the time, if you can do the right thing, yeah, 70 to that. 80% of the time, great. Don't beat yourself up for the other, you know, whatever percentage it is, because we're all going to fall off the train. Everybody likes a chip once in a while or mm-hmm. a chocolate bar or whatever, and that's okay as long as you're good 70 to 80% of the time. Yeah, I like that. That's what Dr. Lowe said. You have to live your life. Yeah. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770. CHQR.